genuine question now. Go ahead. When was the last time you experienced decent, not even like exceptional, just decent customer service? Oh, long time ago. I mean, there's no secret formula for it yet. What we do know is that most companies seem to be pretty bad at it. But not you, my friend, not you, listener. Oh, no. You can create an amazing customer service experience when you use the brand new service hub from HubSpot. Yep, this all-new service hub from HubSpot brings customer service and support together in one simple but powerful platform so you can deliver the best experience possible. And of course, it's powered by AI, not Al, AI, meaning your team can automate those tedious tickets from people who've clearly not read your frequently asked questions. Pain in the backside, aren't they? Oh, and by the way, organizations using HubSpot Service Hub are resolving tickets 13 times faster, helping them to close 42% more tickets per day. That means increasing retention by more than 80%. Thank you, people at HubSpot who, who did the maths on that one, because I wouldn't be able to. I love a bit of data. Did you also know, Al, that it consolidates your entire internal knowledge base into one place? So no matter who is working on support, they'll have the answers at their fingertips. I did know that because I wrote that for you. Well, there you have it. Stand out from the crowd and migrate to HubSpot Service Hub today. Visit HubSpot.com slash service and learn how this all-new solution can help you deliver for your customers. Just by someone saying that makes you really reflect on what's happened to you. Hello and welcome back to the Truth, Lies and Workplace Culture podcast, where we help business leaders, business owners and anyone who's interested unpick the somewhat complicated world of people and culture. My name is Liam. I'm a business psychologist. My name is Alan. I'm a business owner. And welcome back. I hope you had a lovely Christmas. Yeah, what did you get up to? Did you eat too much? We all, we all do we that. We all did that. Eat too much, drink too much and um, watch too many films. I've, I've watched, a lot, I think we've watched more films in the last, mm. or movies, sorry for those across the pond, um, in the last, in the last like five days than we have in the last five months. We have, we have, we've watched, we watched some good ones, some bad ones, some okay ones, lots of Christmas ones. <laughs> They're going in the bad <laughs> category, I think. Leanne but, has this thing where she, where she loves to jump on these films where, in minute four, you know exactly what's going to happen. Do you remember the time we sat and watched Nativity when we were in Wales? That was a really good film. I stand by that. No, no, no. I'm not. I'm not necessarily dissing Nativity, but I did say to you, I said, um, half by maybe about three quarters of the way through, I said I read this book, um, and it's called Nobody Wants to Read Your Shit by Pressman. Everyone's shouting it out. I can't remember his name. Um, and um, and basically, it says that the, 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 the formula for films is that minute one oh five is called um, the place we the worst place or the that you can't get back from. There's a much better name <laughs> than that. We pause nativity at this point. And I said this is exactly what the point which he's talking about. Paused mm. it. What timestamp was it? One oh five. It was a beautiful moment. If you haven't seen the nativity, and you might not have if you are listening from not the UK, whatever that means. If you're not in the UK, because it is a very British film. Mm-hmm. Lots of classic British actors and actresses in it. Um, it is funny. It is funny. Give it a watch. I'm sure it'll be on Netflix or another legal streaming platform. Yeah, maybe give Nativity 2 and 3 a bit of a miss. Yeah. <laughs> so talking and giving things a miss, um, we are moving away from our slightly different, uh, from our format we've been producing up to now, which is interviews. 
It's just you and me today, Leah, isn't it? It is. And we're going to be talking about the predictions um, which we think are going to happen. Or actually, that's that's the whole point of prediction. That's what a prediction means, Al. <laughs> we're going to be thinking about <laughs> predictions for culture, workplace culture, and people in 2023. It'll be interesting to come back to this. And I think we should mm. in December and see how much of this has actually happened. Because some of these are a bit crazy. That would be really interesting, actually, to see what does what does come true. Yeah, and then I can always go back and edit this episode and take out the ones that didn't come true, and then we look like we've made all of them come true. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I'm not sure it's very honest, but yeah, okay. <laughs> if it makes me look good, I'm in. Okay, so as you might imagine, um, in terms of the actual people and the science behind it, Leanne knows far more than I do. I know about the practical application. Um, my background is marketing and business ownership. Leanne's background is purely people. She is a scientist. She is amazing. Um, so a lot of these, so Leanne's got far more predictions than I, and you will also hear that Leanne's predictions are probably a little bit more scientific and probably a lot more accurate because mine are a little bit ridiculous. Um, but uh, so we'll try and we'll try and get it so that we are alternating a little bit. But do you want to kick off with your first two? Yes. Yes. Good. First see, two. Well, because you see, you've got more than me, so I'm thinking get two of yours, then I'll slot one of mine. We're not going to two part this though. We are going to two-part this, but again, you've got you've got loads <laughs> more than me. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. 2023. I, I don't know about you, listener, but I'm kind of, I've got one eye on 2023 thinking, yes, come on, bring it on. And one going, oh, shit. <laughs> what's what's going to happen this year? Honestly, since 20, do you remember 2019, those glorious days where everything just seemed to be stable and lovely and normal. Um, everything just worked. Everything just seemed to work. And I'm sure that's rose-tinted glasses looking back, but the last the last three years have seen some work. Yeah, we've gone through a fair amount. And yeah, I think you can see that a lot in the trends that Leanne's going uh, to talk about. Um, I know that you, listener, have probably got that in your business. You've seen some massive changes in the last sort of 18 months in terms of people, culture, expectations, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so do, what's, what's your first prediction there, Leah? My first prediction is that the fight for talent will continue, but I think the strategy will shift. Mm. And I think it's going to shift in a way that is more sustainable and in a way that is more competency-based. So let let me, just give me some context behind this thinking. Mm. 2022, it was a bidding war for talent, Salaries were going up. We were hearing of, of clients who were having people like pull out after they signed that contract because they had a counter offer for more money. It was it was a war for talent, not mm. a fight. It was a war for talent. Um, but I think I think that's understandable given you know the the great resignation, the big shifts that we saw post pandemic. I think there is going to be a correction, and I think whereas the power has very much been with a candidate in particularly the latter end of 2022, I think that's going to that's gonna correct itself and, and shift a little bit more to, towards business owners. Um, and I think as well, you know, with the economic downturn that is being predicted, um, I think people are going to be start to be a bit more cautious, um, a bit more careful when around... When you say people are a bit more cautious, you mean that people applying for jobs, yes. employees? Right, okay. Yeah, candidates, employees, going to be a bit more cautious, maybe a bit more... I don't know, I guess a bit more motivation to stay put. And again, I, I come back to this correction. And this is what Aaron said on our podcast when we're talking about the, the tech downturn, when we're talking about the Twitter layoffs. And I think that's a really valid point in so many different areas is that 
you know, during the pandemic, turnover was very, very low because people understandably weren't sure about how they'd find another job or what that would look like. Um, so I think really we just saw that correction this year. Of, I think the great resignation was really just the, the normal amount of turnover we would have seen during the pandemic um, kind of catch up and, and all happen at once. But I think at the same time, there's gonna, I think it's going to be a pushback from HR leaders, from people and culture practitioners to managers saying, what do you actually need in a person in terms of their skills, their knowledge, their competencies, their abilities to actually do this job? Let's not dream that we can now go around recruiting superstars for every single role. What do you actually need in a person to do this job? So I think we're going to see a massive increase in job analysis which is understanding the actual role that is needed within a business to contribute positively. I think we're going to see an uptick in more data-led recruitment strategies. Um, and I think as well, I saw a statistic, I think it was Garter that it was like 36% of recruiters and HR leaders were saying that currently they didn't think their recruitment strategy was sufficient in that it was working. We've talked about this before in the podcast. Go back and listen if you're interested. Recruitment is science. It's the most sciencey thing we can do in people and culture. If you want something tangible to, to get your get your arms around, it's recruitment. Um, so I think we're going to see a lot more data-led recruitment, much more use of, of psychometrics. And I think as well, critically, we're going to see organisations um, engaging more in rolling recruitment. So organisations are going to always be actively recruiting. Yeah, you've been a big proponent of um, internal re recruitment or internal talent pools, uh, which if what I've understood what it means is that you, like you say, you're rolling recruitment and then you get someone who's really good and go, look, we've not got a position for you, but I'm going to work really hard to find a position for you rather than, than recruiting when you actually need it. Yeah, and not just internally, externally as well. I think right. particularly if you have roles within your business that are a constant, you're always going to have that role in your business um, that typically have a, a higher turnover. So probably roles that are lower down in terms of of salary and hierarchy um where you're always going to need people in it so for example i don't know like um if you're an accountancy firm working then maybe your kind of entry-level accountants um or your bookkeepers or whatever you call them um you're always going to have the, that role in your business and you're typically going to see a higher turnover um because um, these people are, you know, at the early stage of their career and developmentally, they're going to move every two to five years. And this isn't a new thing. You know, call centres use this a lot typically because of the high turnover rates. So I think we're going to see businesses engage much more in rolling recruitment. And as I said, creating these talent pools. So we've filled all the roles, but you've met every standard we needed you to. We'd love to keep your, your name on record. And the minute we have a position, would you be interested in us contacting you? Um, I've done that with clients before. It works really well. Massively reduces your, your time to fill in the future. Um, I think it's just a smart, sustainable way of, of always, you know, making sure that you've got great people coming into your business. Now, in a second, I'm going to ask you to summarise that in one sentence your prediction. Um, but in the meantime, while you're thinking about that, because I've just sprung that on you, um, is that it's, it's interesting to hear the a lot of the sort of investment talk, where, where, what you're saying there is correction. You're saying that, um, you know, there's a lot of, and I think what, what's really interesting is that if you are an investor in any of any kind, whether it be crypto, equities, whatever, then I don't think there's more of a demonstration of human nature than looking at stocks and shares over a period of time because they don't follow 
They don't follow the logic. So, for example, if we use that analogy, which I don't know a great deal about stocks and shares, but if we say that there's been a bull run recently in terms of salaries, then, you know, you go, well, well there's got to be a correction of that because, like, in, in every single market, there is a correction. God, I, <laughs> I look at my crypto wallet these days and I know there's definitely been a correction in that. Crying to your gin over Christmas <laughs> over that one, love, aren't you? <laughs> well, I think a lot before that. But, but anyway, moving away from my, from, from, from my massive losses in crypto, but I think it is really interesting. So what we're talking about there is there is a supply, this is a supply and demand market. Uh, is recruitment. It's as simple as that. There's a supply and demand. And then it fe- felt like there was there was a retraction in supply, a retraction in demand, therefore the supply. Um, yeah. So therefore, what Salary said to go, I had to check it, look over at Leanne and check <laughs> I was saying it right. So I think it's really interesting to think of it in terms of that. And now we are getting this correction. Now people, you know, who were very bullish on getting a new job um, six months ago might not be quite so confident going into 2023, which can obviously be good, but then, you know, there's there's ways that you can ma- manage that and make it even better for people to, to stay in your organisation. So do you have a nice succinct summary for us for prediction number one? I think the fight for talent will continue, but the strategy will shift and there'll be a much bigger focus on perfecting. This isn't really a one-liner, is it? I like it so far. You say there's going to be much more of a focus on perfecting the recruitment process to make sure you are finding the right people for the right role every time. And you know what? If it's the right person and you've got all of the the science-based recruitment processes behind it and you know that this person is a superstar or even better, you know this person is, is good enough but they're really invested in this role in this company and you need to throw a bit more money at the problem, fine, because you've got the data to back it up. So I think fight for talent will continue. There'll be a slight correction in in the balance of power. I think having an evidence-led recruitment strategy is going to be the big thing of 2023. Nice, nice, and I also enjoying that you're uh, you're picking up my my investment analogy there. I quite <laughs> enjoyed that. So, what is your prediction number two, Leanne? So, following on from prediction number one, I think. 2022, there is a really big focus on the fight for attraction, attracting talent. I think 2023, there's going to be much more focus on talent retention. Mm. Um, So yeah, keeping hold of those people in your business. And I think this is where employee engagement is going to come in. And I think, you know, we've always talked about how it can be an anxious task for leaders to gather insights from their team. It can be a bit scary in terms of what you're going to find. And you will find things that you don't want to hear. That's just the nature of it. You will. But I think in 2022, business leaders were just blindsided by the the candidate control in terms of the recruitment market. And I think that has left so much anxiety around the uncertainty, the unpredictability, who's leaving now, who's going to, how hard is it going to, how long is it going to take me to find someone to to fill this role? I think it's going to be a much more comfortable anxiety to do the work and understand how your employees are really feeling about your business um, and use that data to make changes to to support employee engagement and in turn retention. Um, so that I think is going to be a big thing for, for 2023 in terms of collecting data about employees, um, but importantly, focusing on what that data actually means and how it can be applied within your strategy 
and how the success of any changes you make can be measured. Um, I think that's going to be a really big thing. I'm sure lots of businesses out there already have employee engagement surveys or employee wellbeing surveys. How is that data used? Are you using that data to inform your strategy? Are you then communicating that back to your teams? This is what we learned. This is, these are the changes we're making. And are you then assessing in six months time the impact of those changes? Um, And I think that is going to be a really big, big shift is much more data is going to be collected. I think much more data is going to be applied. Yeah, I think what's interesting there is that you, you've talked about, I mean, did you, I think you mentioned um, the employee survey that I can, Office Vibe, I think mm-hmm. you mentioned that. And, and Office Vibe has definitely felt more like a sticking plaster for a lot of businesses. And it's the same as someone going, oh, my net promoter score is really high. Uh, for our business. It's like, yeah, okay, that's great. But how's your profits? You know, just having a good NPS is not going to necessarily pr- um, translate to, to to revenue and to profits and stuff. And I think it's a similar kind of thing. These apps have come out and we're not necessarily like, you know, crapping on these, on these, these apps because some of them are good. And it's good the fact that someone is actually measuring this. But what you're saying, if I've understood it, is that it's not enough just to have an engagement survey. You've got to actually collect that information or that data and then create a strategy to do something about that data and then go back and then thirdly, just measure how you're doing six months down the line compared to where you were when you first collected that data. Yes. Good. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm glad we understood. (laughs) I think, um, yeah, you're going to find, just just a little aside, because I'm going to ask you to summarise that in a second, because and then you're going to ask me to do the same, I'm sure, um, is... Um, what, what, what you'll probably find with the, with the way that we both approach things is that I'm going to be t- taking things from a tech point of view and a marketing point of view, and this is going to relate to my next thing. Uh, and Leanne's going to be taking it from a people and a uh, and a culture point of view. And hopefully we're going to correct each other and go, hang on a minute, does that actually make sense? So you'll probably hear us both like a bit of back and forth. So can you summarize point, a prediction number two in a couple of sentences? Yeah, I think number two, that there's going to be a shift in focus um, from the, the fight for attracting talent to the fight of retaining talent and specifically making sure that you are one collecting the data b applying the data three did i say a b through c or you did one, i'm three? loving it i'm, I'm so loving sorry this. <laughs> go ahead you see so number one J. <laughs> number one b and point number oh, four. you can't no. say a roman numeral can you crimbo limbo man it messes with your brain um, what was I saying? Yes. One, collect the data. Two, apply the data. Three, measure the impact of the changes made. Love it. Brilliant. So my number three or number three prediction is from me. And it's funny because it's very similar to what Liam was just saying. And we, we came up with these independently. Um, very similar to what Liam was just saying is that I think that marketing and sales departments have got so much knowledge that people, recruitment, HR can actually borrow from and obviously the likewise but in terms of like if you think about a business function the whole idea of of marketing is to get is to get someone to pay attention to you and the whole point of sales is to get someone to commit to you well that's basically like the job ad and then the actual interview and i think there's so much information and so much um so many skills that marketing and sales have got that we can borrow from 
For example, if you've been in marketing, which um, most of our audience are creative and digital agencies, so they know what marketing is about, they'll know that acquisition and retention is far cheaper to, to keep a customer than it is to find a new one. Um, so there's that strategy, which Leanne alluded to just a second ago. And I think marketing have known this for years and years and years. So there's definitely a lot of knowledge transference that could be going on there. Um, the other thing to consider, which marketing, they always they always put it well. Good marketing teams put a percentage towards branding um, plays, um, which uh, obviously now we're hearing the term employer brand much more these days, which again is helping to get that word out and to sort of build this experience that um, that people are going to have. And the other, and a couple of other things there you mentioned there, um, data in terms of marketing, we've always used the analytics to determine which advert does well. So what Leanne's saying there is basically what us marketers have been doing for time memorial is collecting data, seeing what converts, and then iterating on those results. So I mean, that's really, really important. And also, I think just being able to adapt to the market conditions. There were times when Google ads, when Facebook ads were really were, were really cheap, then they became expensive. So what we're saying here is there was a time when you could recruit for a particular position and the salary was X, and now the salary is X times two. That's the expectation. It's just the market forces. We all know as marketers or business owners who are generating these, we know that this happens. So why are we surprised it's now happening with people? Mm, good point. Why are people surprised? It's a market. Yeah. <laughs> it's market driven and we should, we should understand that. So I will... Yeah, s- and I think just to just to piggyback a little bit on your prediction, if I may, I completely agree. And I had this written down as one of mine, but I think it fits in really nicely as an add-on to yours. I think we're going to see a lot more investment in um, employer brand, as you mentioned. But I think also much more increased collaboration between people and culture leaders, HR leaders, and marketing and internal communications teams. I think there is, you know, we're always going to have this push and pull, like you say, with with the market, with supply and demand, um, with Gen X and Y versus Gen Z. But as Al said there, it's all about the market. And I know we, we talk about generational differences quite a lot. And this isn't from an us and them perspective. That's the last, the last thing we want to promote. But we've seen so much disruption in the last 20 to 30 years in terms of the world of work in terms of the economy, in terms of technology, in terms of globalization, that understandably my experiences as a 16 to 18 year old, it can be very different to someone who is 16 to 18 from 2019 to 2021, 2022. So yeah, whereas we were kind of entering the world of work in the depths of one of the biggest global recessions we've ever seen, where salaries were reduced significantly, where job security wasn't a thing, so you did tend to cling on a little bit, a little bit more. We're used to that, and we're now the people that are in management and leadership positions. So for us, it's hard for us to understand why these expectations are wildly different in terms of salary, in terms of um, other benefits, in, in in terms of of moving on, you know, quite frequently from roles because, you know, the, the people that have entered the workforce over the last five to 10 years have seen a much more stable economy. Um, so I think there is a, there is going to be this push and pull between, between generations. I think that's something we need to be aware of, something we need to to address in terms of understanding each other more and making that effort to understand each other more. But I think also this this kind of mantra of it's not always about doing more, it's about doing better. Mm. And 
I think where we can't do more, where we can't keep increasing salaries, where it's not within, you know, commercial reality to to meet every demand that an employee is putting on, that's not to say we can't do better with what we've already got. And I think one of the biggest ones for me when we were talking about um, the cost of living crisis was, you know, a lot of, of organisations have platforms in place such as Perks that we mentioned, they will have all sorts of benefits like GP appointments, online counselling, uh, mortgage advice, um, health and, and diet advice. So many different different things that can contribute positively to an employee experience and employee well-being. Yet the awareness of these benefits is low and the number of people accessing these benefits is low. So I think rather than, I think 2022 was like, what else can we throw at the walls to get people to accept this job? It's going to be, let's just take a little bit of an audit. What have we got in place? What is being used? Are people accessing it? Do they know about it? Role modeling those behaviors. And I think that's going to be a big thing of, of 2023. Let's not do more, let's do better. I love it. I love it. And I think what we what we're basically saying there is that all the different functions of a business can learn from each other. And I hope that they do learn from each other because sales can definitely learn from customer success. And, um, you know, and, and if there's someone who's in charge of, for example, retentions of, of customers and have to deal with cancellations, well, that's again, someone who probably who is worth speaking to. If you are looking for people, if you've got interviewers coming in or in, in doing in-house, it's worth finding that out. And then if you think about that, why are you not, and maybe you are, but why are you not calling up those people who have, who you've offered them a job, they've said no, and said, what could we have offered you? Yes. To make, to make you say yes. And you're not necessarily going to offer it. It's just how interesting is that going to be? What did my competitor offer you that you said yes to? We've been doing that in sales and marketing yeah. for years and years and years. Why are we not doing that with people? So to summarize uh, the prediction number three, which is mine, which is that that people or the people function and the marketing and sales functions, if you don't mind me grouping those together, sorry guys, if you're if you're if you're a hardcore salesperson, um, is that they those are going to be able to learn so much from each other, and the people the people functions should be speaking more to the marketing and learning what's worked for them. Yeah, and again, I think this is just another iteration of something we've already seen. I mean, I, I've worked with an executive branding firm for years and back in, in kind of 2015-16, we were talking about how, you know, the, the best performing CFOs are the ones that had, had become, had, you know, turned their organisation, their function into a profit centre more than a cost centre because they're talking much more commercial, much more sales, they're enabling growth. Um, they're not kind of the people with, you know, holding the purse strings anymore. And that is now just what a CFO does. But eight, 10 years ago, that wasn't what a CFO did. No, no. And I think this is just the next iteration that we've already done really successfully. And I think this is a great thing for business leaders. This is things that you already know how to do. We're just extending it. And I think this extension in 2023 is, as you said, our people and culture, sales and marketing and comms working much closer together. I am quickly interrupting this phenomenal podcast to recommend another phenomenal podcast, Nudge. We love Nudge, hosted by Phil Agnew, a true gent. It is, of course, brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. But that is not the only reason we're recommending it, is it, Al? No, it's not. No, we've recommended it to lots of people. If you look at any of our YouTube comments, it won't take you long, there's about 20 of them, <laughs> then you'll see that we recommend Phil uh, to anyone who likes our pod. Well, on Nudge, you're going to learn simple evidence-backed tips. It's going to help you kick bad habits, get a raise, and grow a business. 
Oh, and it's the UK's fastest growing business podcast. For now. For now, Phil, we're coming for you, buddy. <laughs> if you loved hearing Rory Sutherland from Ogilvy on our show back in episode 83, then Phil's latest episode has Rory on again talking about McDonald's, smoking, and why the pension system is broken. I suppose we should say that actually Rory's been on a couple of times on to nudge. It's not that uh, Phil's seen what we've done and gone, I'll have Rory. So I think it's important. Yeah, for no, us to we say copied. That. We copied Phil. Anyway, listen to Nudge wherever you get your podcasts. So my fourth prediction, I think professional development is going to be the kind of the people and culture area of 2023. Um, I think this has been of increasing importance to employees for years. And I think particularly, um, you know, when there wasn't, you know, as I said before, during that kind of aftermath of the financial crisis, there wasn't as much mobility in terms of role. So it came down to professional development being important. I think we're going to see that grow um, as we kind of move through post-pandemic. I think there's going to be a slight shift. I think there's going to be an increasing focus on professional development and career development routes. But I think there's also going to be a real focus on psychosocial development. And what Can you I'm, just tell us what psychosocial is? I was going to say, and what I mean by that is, I already know what <laughs> questions you're going to ask me. I throw out a term, I know I'm going to get get grilled. Um, yes, psychosocial development. Um, so these are, are things that are, I guess we might have called them more things like soft skills previously, um, or how to just how to navigate the working environment. How do we communicate? How do we negotiate? How do we build relationships? How do we influence? Um, how do we create work that is meaningful, that has purpose? Do we know what brings purpose and meaning to our people and how are we connecting that to their professional development? Um, I think there's going to be a lot more, um, I guess, and I, I hate to throw around the word, but a bit more strategy around professional development. I think we're going to see clearer routes um, of development for people. And again, that links back to my first prediction. You need to understand the competencies people need to do that job to be able to develop them effectively, to see that translate into performance. Um, so I think competencies are going to be, competency frameworks are going to be um, much more talked about in small businesses. I think we're going to see an increase in things like sabbaticals and stretch projects um, or upskilling opportunities. Um, and equally, I think if we're focusing on um, professional development, we also need to focus on succession planning because the, whether that be an employee moving into another role internally or whether it be them leaving to an external role, it's going to leave a, it's going to leave a hole. And we already know that that fight for talent is going to continue. So I think succession planning is going to be really important as well. As I mentioned before, you know, those two, three years of, of COVID really did a number on all of us mm -hmm. in terms of our communication skills or interpersonal skills and I think that's where we saw kind of the pushback I'd, 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 I guess a lot of the pushback of coming back to the office was a lot of people going oh I'd rather not the politics the office politics and all that bullshit nah thanks so I think I think we've all struggled but again you know the people that were joining the workforce during COVID missed out on all that missed out on all that that aspect of onboarding of knowledge sharing um, of informal mentoring and coaching so I think um, yeah that that's my my prediction is that professional development is going to be a big thing and it's going to be a really strategic thing in 2023. 
Now, what's interesting is that a lot of these things you're saying almost feel like smaller businesses are borrowing ideas from larger, more established businesses. We talked a few episodes ago about Project Aristotle from Google. It used to be that you go, oh, they're a big business, so they do all this stuff. And we're a small business, therefore we go and do all this stuff. But a couple of advantages of, of looking at the larger companies uh, for ideas is exactly what Leanne said there. There's a bit more strategy around it, a bit more tactics around it. But also, you've got the flexibility um, of being a small business and you've got 20, 30, 40 employees. You can implement something by next week. Whereas IBM, what with a quarter of a million people working around the country, around, around the world, they're going to take six months, six years to implement something. So I think by looking towards the bigger people, looking towards those who are doing it, who are doing it right and may have the, may have a bigger budget than you, but what can you learn from them that you can implement in your own business? Absolutely. And how many examples could you pull from sales marketing out where we, you know, you're borrowing those big, those ideas from bigger organizations, applying them in their organization? There must be hundreds of examples of things in marketing that smaller businesses have, have leveraged and seen big success from. 100%, 100%. And when you look at someone who's got a bigger budget, they've got more chance to, to um, they've got more chance to, exper- to experiment with something, but also they've got this like corporate ego where they want to talk about all the changes they've made. Great, let's read those blog posts. Let's read their, mm. read their reports and let's steal relentlessly yeah. and shamelessly from them. What do you think we do? <laughs> So you're number four. So yeah, my prediction, I think professional development, so investing in somebody's professional development, in their personal development, in, in their whole person development um, to aid their, their personal and professional ambitions. Professional development is going to be huge in 2023. Love it. Love it. Okay, so number five. This one's a little bit out there. Um, those who know me personally uh, know that I'm massively into tech, into nerdery, into AI. Um, and also, I don't think anyone has not heard of, I don't think there's anyone who hasn't heard of GPT-3, the AI chat that's just Can blown. we just define AI, please, Al? <laughs> what <laughs> artificial intelligence sorry um and you're quite right you're quite right you're quite right what i like about ai is that when people say oh ai is amazing on on twitter because it looks a bit like al then i quite like that because i go oh, yeah. Oh, yeah yeah that's me that's me it's not them no it's not no very few people say i'm amazing on twitter <laughs> but the whole point of ai is that this chat gpt has come out and it's a bit like the first tesla that came out that people went oh my god tesla is amazing look at what all the things it can do and now everyone's a bit like oh yeah well you have to queue up to to charge your car and all that kind of stuff but we're in those very very early stages now what i see is that ai is getting so good these days that they can almost hold a conversation Now, when I say almost, you can on a surface level hold a conversation with AI, but really in terms of what what I think is always going to lack is the empathy. But where I can really see something happening is some clever people training an AI to become a kind of virtual coach. Now, I'm not saying that we pretend that there's someone really there at the other other end of the line, but imagine that you could have something that a machine that every couple of days could check in with someone and say, hey, how, how was your day, Leanne? And you know you're talking to a machine, but you can just go, yeah, it was all right. Or imagine a vent line. Imagine you, you've got just this AI where it's been trained to listen to people going, I've had a shit day, blah. And they just go, and then Sandra did this, and then Colin said that, and uh, and then going, oh, really? What, how does it make you feel? You know, that kind of stuff. And you can just sort of vent. I mean, <laughs> when I first started my business, I, I set up an email called angryal at, and then the domain name of my business. 
So every time I got really annoyed or someone sent me a really shitty email, instead of replying to them, I'd reply to Angry Al. And I just set it just to terminate and delete the email. But I felt so much better. There's, there's this old thing that um, I'm, I'm sure it was from the 50s, 60s. I read somewhere that said, if you're annoyed by someone, write a letter and put it in your drawer and then come back a week later and read it and see if you still want to send it. That same kind of thing. So I can see that AI can do that. I can see also you can start to think, okay, that can do a couple of things. First of all, you can do exactly as, as AI chatbots do at the moment. This sounds really serious. Would you like me to get a human involved? And they go, no, no, I'm all right. Or yes, I would actually. It's that first sort of like point of contact. The second thing, which is going to link in a bit later on to some of the things I'm going to talk about, um, is that what happens if that AI was monitoring your wearable? What happens if your AI was monitoring your work pattern? I mean, is that something which, is that invasive or is that sort of preventative? Is that something where we can program it so that the AI, your AI will only contact you if you, you know, if you've worked four hours or worked two hours longer this week than you did the week before, you know, the AI just going, hey Al, it sounds like you had a hard week last week. How was it? Was there anything different? Now, of course, there's there's all kinds of ramifications. I'm not nearly clever enough to think about um, all the sort of like the confidentiality and all that kind of thing. Someone clever out there, I'm sure, will, will, will create this. But I do think that we can leverage this new technology um, as an almost sentient being um, to just really, to just to do, to do the job that a quick text message would, would do. Hey, how's your, how's your week been? And I think as long as we don't pretend it's human, I think that could be an interesting application of AI. I think that is really interesting. And when you were talking then, it, I guess it kind of struck me the connection between um, self-coaching. So, you know, we can get like the coaching cards that you go through like every day where it asks you questions like that and helps you reflect. I can see AI being a really good good tool to support that process. I'm uncomfortable with AI replacing coaches, but I don't that's think understandable. Just, just in case that's what, what, what came across when I was talking, I wasn't in any way suggesting replacing coaches. What I think is just being that first line where a good coach will ask questions and not say anything for the first couple of yeah. sessions. And I just think that you can start to get someone comfortable with talking about their week, about their yeah. day which then can escalate to a human because I don't think AI is ever going to replace or should ever replace a coach. Yeah, and I think it, like you say, it's that helping people reflect and, and build up that reflective practice. I think AI could be a really useful tool. And one thing you were saying as well about your angry emails, um, I used to do a similar thing. Um, if I'd had a bad day, just write it down. Um, and I can't remember the study and I can't remember who it was, um, but there is neuroscience behind this. Yeah. Um, there's been a study done that basically writing down feelings helps us process us and distance us in terms of their impact is no longer as great. Um, so yeah, in terms of our, our brains like us to go through that venting process as well. I love it. Okay. Well, prediction number five then in to summarize is that um, Al thinks there'll be some AI coaches as the front line of defense uh, for people at some point in 2023. So my next prediction, which I think feeds quite nicely off of what you just said, I think in 2023, we're going to see a huge coaching boom. Mm. I think, you know how you used to like, you used to see like lots of like sitcoms and films that would joke about everybody has a therapist. More <laughs> in the US, I think. Mm. Um, not to say that <laughs> you need the therapist in the US. I'm just <laughs> saying you've got, you know, much more evolved in terms of 
I'm getting myself in a hole here. Anyway, Coaching Boom 2023. I look forward, Leanne looks forward to your letters. <laughs> I look forward to your complaints. Um, yeah, I think, I think as we've said, you know, 2022 has been a year on top of another year on top of another year. Um, I think leaders are going to need support with these, the continuing challenges and the changing expectations of employees. Um, I think they're going to need support to be more effective as leaders in a, a world that is dominated by hybrid and remote working. Um, and I also think there's going to be a real need for leaders to invest more in their own well-being um, in terms of, I think, burnout is going to be a, a big risk in 2023. Um, and I think everyone is, is everyone's going to have a coach. But more than that, I think everyone's going to have more than one coach. Mm. I can see leaders having a coach for their business, a coach for their leadership, make them more effective and also a cathartic coach. Like you were saying there, you know, that ability to vent or just explore your, how you're feeling about things, how you're responding to things. Um, so yeah, I think that's going to be a really big trend in 2023. And I think more so we're going to see coaching start to trickle down into manager level. So not just reserved for those kind of executive leaders or senior managers, I think we're going to see um, that middle management level um, either requesting access to coaching um, or for those progressive employees, employee, employers, um, making sure that, that their managers have access to, access to coaching. I made a mess of that. No, I think you made perfect sense. <laughs> I think you, you, made, got, you got my point though, right? Yeah, and I, th I think that... So from, from a people point of view, what I like about this is that we are... We're making coaching less elitist and more and more accessible to everyone really because and also a bit more like you know like you said there about the therapist i think the reason why americans say they've got and I'm, I'm not picking on you americans i'm just saying the sitcoms and that kind of thing they say oh my therapist says this and i think you guys have been saying it for years and years and years whereas over here if you had a therapist or the equivalent you probably wouldn't mention it to anyone in, in britain you wouldn't wouldn't say it just publicly so i think there's also taking that stigma away from what coaching is and the and coaching isn't to help you to help you become better or overcome a particular hurdle or because you're lacking you need a coach i think it's more that every you know everyone needs a coach and your coach could just be Deirdre in accounting who who kind of like who you chat to from time to time on your break um it could be um your leader like like leanne talked about um about john a few a, a few episodes back it could be an internal coach and i think that there's going to be some interesting developments because there's clearly not enough coaches out there to satisfy this demand if this does this prediction does come off so then again, maybe back to Al's AICoachingService.com. We don't know. But this is going to be an interesting time because I think you're right. The The benefit of a coach is incredible. And Leanne broke those down into three, into performance, cathartic and... Like business leadership, cathartic. Right. And I think the cathartic coach is just someone who's trained really to listen and to be really good at that. Whereas your leadership coach could be someone of a, who has slightly different mm. uh, skills. Um, Leanne and I, we used to be in the Samaritans in um, in the UK where we first met, actually. Um, and that was essentially cathartic coaching, I think, a lot of the time, wasn't it? Yeah. And one massive difference between, I think a lot of people think the coaches go, uh, they think of coach for um, uh, an NBA basketball star or, you know, the, the England coach or whatever. Coaching isn't necessarily that. There's performance coaching, but there's also just someone who's going to sit there, listen, and then just ask questions. Do you know how... <laughs> 
how bad Stefan said this a few episodes ago. Everyone thinks they're a good listener and they're above average, but obviously they can't be above average. And in fact, think about the last time you said something seriously to someone else at work and they and were they sitting there listening to you thinking about how what they were going to say next or were they sitting there listening and then went, "Well, how did that make you feel?" And this isn't this you know, this isn't stupid. This is just by someone saying that makes you really reflect on what's happened to you. Mm-hmm. And even if it's just had a rubbish day, it can make things so much better. And I think writing down is, I, I love that exa- that example of writing things down. Yeah, so I think even having a coach should just help you navigate those those feelings, those thoughts. Um, and you know, you do, you do the work when you have a coach. A good coach will just sit there and ask you the right question. They won't offer anything more than that. Um, you do the work. And I think that's why it's so empowering to go through a really positive coaching experience because you realise that, I've got this. They didn't actually come up with any solutions, any coping strategies, any. I came up with all that. And I think that's what's really empowering about coaching. Oh, 100%. And I think one of the best things you can do is, is, is if you are a good listener, and I'm sorry, but statistically, if you're listening, you're probably not. You need to learn how to listen. Oh, by the way, if you want to, re- if you're in the UK and want to learn how to listen, go and volunteer for Samaritans because, oh my God, that training is absolutely incredible. But what's so interesting is when you are good at listening is people say thank you you've helped me so much and you think back and you and if you were to record that back you realize you said virtually nothing at all and i think that is really really powerful now we're not just saying this because we do coaching <laughs> although it would be great business-wise for us <laughs> if go, if this prediction did come true and people wanted more coaches because yeah, obviously you can come go to oblong hq and you can buy your coaching sorry i'm the commercial side of it i have to say that um, but uh, that was really interesting. So to summarise... In all seriousness, though, if you are considering a coach, we do actually also offer 15-minute free consultations because coaching is also about finding the right coach. It's like finding the right therapist. That's true. It's about finding the right coach. So in all seriousness, if it is something you're interested in, we do offer that that 15 minutes for, for free. So get in touch. Definitely. Just go to our website and you can go forward slash book. So oblonghq.com forward slash book. You can book your time there and you will talk to probably Leanne because she's... Just amazing in the expert. Well, it depends what you want coaching on and what kind of approach you need. <laughs> okay, so we've now done five of our predictions. Six. We've done six. I'm <laughs> sorry, we've done six. I've been writing this down like a tally chart, trying to keep on top of it. I obviously didn't do very well. Um, so we have another six coming up in part two, plus a couple of, potentially a couple of bonus ones. Ooh. I'm a marketer. I've always got to add bonuses. You know, I can't just give you what you asked for. Um, and they're totally free. But And if you... you get a prediction and you get a prediction. And, and you wait, get a prediction. there's more. <laughs> Did you buy one? You get one free. <laughs> oh God, that's a reference for UK, for, for people in the UK 15 years ago. Um, so uh, we're coming back with part two on this next week. Uh, make sure if you're not subscribed what's wrong with you what happened who hurt you press that subscribe button wow <laughs> was that a bit harsh <laughs> you're the reason we get these reviews <laughs> what reviews oh yeah we did get one review it was a it was a two star review yeah. or something at least leave a comment if you're gonna leave a twofer yeah <laughs> just not cool if that was you then uh, email us at angryal at <laughs> oblonghq.com. Okay. It's cathartic, it will help. It get it is. out, get it out. Just not on our reviews, emails. <laughs> Privately, not publicly. <laughs> <laughs> we have had quite a few five-star reviews, so thank you to those people who left those. If you've not yet left a review, God, it would really, really help us. It would genuinely help us. We're a brand new podcast. We're only about episode 14, 15. Um, leaving a review or even just a, just a rating 
Like that's where you just leave your stars and a review would be fantastic if you could do it. Right, we'll see you next week, I think, for part two of our predictions for 2023 in people and culture. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Have a great one. Speak to you soon.